The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. There's amazing things happening day by day. And we think we know the truth. We think we follow truth. We want to, actually, and even people who are way off base. But we have to define truth, which you've heard us talk about before. Relative truth that pertains to them instead of absolute truth. We form a truth to such a degree that absolute truth is buried in it. So our lady came yesterday, March 2nd, and said, I am coming to help you to find the way to the truth. Pause and think about that. She's coming down from heaven. We've got more information than ever before in the history of the world. We've got access to all kinds of variances of what is true, what is not true, absolutes, what is relative. And the relative surpasses the absolute. 
because everybody wants to be right. And to be right, you conform truth to your own belief that's related to you, a relative, an extension of your thoughts and your philosophies to how you believe. And you can justify anything in any way or any lifestyle by that. So I said, I'm coming, I'm helping, I'm showing you to find the way. Four things. Coming, help, find the way. And amazing statements. Our Lady's words, I am coming to help you to find the way of truth. And thereby, if you find truth, you find what? She told us a long time ago, God is truth. He exists. So if she helps us, and she comes for that, and we find the way, what do we find the way to? She continues in this one sentence, to find the way to my son. He is truth. He is the creator truth. Nothing else is the truth. That's why we say, so help me God. We have more untruth than ever in the history of the world, mainly because we got away from the green way of life. You live truth every day, working the soil or close to the soil, or been connected the way God ordained for us, because you can't escape things that are in nature that is natural. The natural of what, how nature works, that a tomato plant can't grow potatoes, a potato plant can't grow tomatoes, because it's out of the natural order of things. That's truth. Anything out of the natural order of things is not truth. It can't be that somebody be born with an anatomy can think in their mind and in their interior heart or soul or whatever they want to in the mentalities that they're not of that anatomy. If they're a boy and they're born a boy, they are a boy. If they're a girl, they're born with that anatomy, then they're a girl. Nothing can change that. No truth can alter that except the disguise of relative truth and a demonic spirit in the soul convincing you that's what you are. Either neutral or something else. How absurd that we have wandered off the fables and respect this. There is no respect to be given and there's an expectation of behavior. I knew in grammar school I would never go to college. And my dad was part of that, perhaps. But even then, it wasn't something that he had advised me. I didn't want to go. I knew I could get from a book what I needed to get instead of going to a professor. Who were the professors? In the book Left Wing Wackos, English professor Jay Pernini says, from Middlebird College, which in the Vietnam era was full of protesters, left-wing liberals, revolutions for perversion of the flesh. But he writes, after the Vietnam War, he's one of these people. So after the Vietnam War, a lot of us didn't just crawl back into our library cubicles. We stepped into academic positions. 
for clarification of that statement, which is simple, but to make it perfectly clear, these Waco protesters, those anarchists, those who protested everything, including free speech, and after the Vietnam War, what their cause was, they stepped into academic positions. That's who the professors are today, this gray-haired, that's promoting so much perversion today. He goes on and says, with the war over, our visibility was lost. And it seemed for a while to be unobservant. In other words, they had no more voice. They had to find a surrogate. They can't make it their own because truth of natural order and natural law doesn't give voice to, to relative truth. Only something false. A surrogate that they can parasite off of, suck the blood out of it, and become that, and have a megaphone. That's why they're always going to the news. That's why you'll see two protesters getting the microphones and the news coverage that a thousand protesters against abortion don't get. They have to have that. They get into government because they have to have a loud, cry-bullying voice, because they can't sustain their own voice, because they don't have the support. And they overshadow us now because they're in all positions. The buyers are clothing stores. The buyers for the books at Books a Million and Barnes and Nobles. You say, oh, how do I know that? Because I know the companies and CEOs of some of these places. And they tell me they position themselves. They flood and swarm applications to get in key positions because they don't have the numbers to cover the whole company or the government or whatever. So they will swarm with applications till they get the jobs. And they are bonobos, and then they have the bonobo sections in their bookstores. So with the war over, our visibility was lost and seemed for a while to be unobservant that we had disappeared. Now we have tenure, meaning they can't get fired. After 10 years, they're stuck at the college, and they do nothing about it. And then they move up into being presidents, and they protect the other people who get tenure. Now we have tenure, and the work of reshaping the university has begun in earnest. English professor Jay Perini, Middleburg College. How sweet. How nice. And at Dean of Humanitarian, University of Arizona says, I see my scholarship as an extension of my political activism. Did you wish he said? And you want to send your kids to college? You do not send your kids to college. You want to destroy your children? Get them in the university. I see my scholarship as an extension of my political activism to expose the myth of the United States has always put forward about itself as an egalitarian nation. The United States has taken an incredible, fertile continent and utterly destroyed it with a ravaging hatred. We were filled with hate. We are evil people. Our nation is evil. Why? Because it was born in the birthing of tied civilly, undissolvably to Christian principles. That's why it's hated. Christ is hated, and this nation is hated. And it's out of the university factories of those minds who go into it, which get perverted. We do something here that I instituted years ago. When apparition time happens, the kids go to the statue, and it's their time. They can play the whole rosary, but at that moment, when they appears, we have an expectation of their behavior, 
to hear us when we start saying the Holy Queen, to go to the statue and hang around the statue. They're still playing some, and the little ones are there, the two-year-olds, one-year-olds, everything, all the way up to 18 before they are allowed to stay with the adults. I say allowed because we got an expectation of, of tradition that we've instilled. And when we started instituting this, inevitably the one-and-a-half to two-year-olds starts at the terrible twos. And what they do at that point is turn around and stare at their mother, not the daddy, their mother. And they start crying. It's time to nurse. I got to do this. And they just get this most pitiful. They don't even have tears coming down. They know the language of the mother. She's a helicopter mom. And so she wants to go over there. And we had moms going over the statue and kneeling with them. And one day I stopped the whole thing and said, stop it. After Rosary, I says, don't come up here to your children. They got to learn that they're expected to be here and stay here. So the moms didn't go up there, and the kids started going to the moms, walking away from the kids, back to 50 feet away where we were. And I told them, don't let the children come to them. I told the other children, it's your responsibility to take that child and pick them up and bring them back to the statue. With the mom doing it, it was constant whining, constant doing their communication that they talked to mom that you have to give in to me because look at these tears coming down. And oh, I'm so, I'm so, it's so pitiful. It's just a little baby. But when the other kids pick them up, bring them back, it doesn't last a day or two before they catch on. My peers are not going to allow me to do this. They, I can't get by there. I can get by with my mom, but I can't get by with them. It just happened a couple of days ago with little Tony. He pitched a fit. He wanted to come to mom. And the kids picked him up and bring him back. It don't take long for that to work. Peer pressure in the universities when your kids are away from you completely and you can't be hoovering over them are swayed by the masses. And they become what they are. No matter how many morals they got, how much virtue they have, they can be brainwashed. And the masses are controlled by these freaks who are the professors who hone in those children who didn't have a formation, who form the pressures that can form the students that would never have done that had they not go to college. College is a very very, very dangerous place to send your children. Certificates that they get and that they receive for their degrees are becoming more and more insignificant. I never thought nothing of a PhD or a BA. Joan, what are you? I have master's. Whoa. We're sitting up in the room with somebody who's got a master's degree. So what did you have to do to get that master's degree? I had to go to five and a half years of college. Five and a half years of your life in college. Okay, so how much did it cost? For me back 30 years ago, uh, it was probably close to ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. Which is what now? $50,000, $100,000, depending on what college you go to? At least. So, so what did it do for you? Well, it gave me a degree in which uh, after five years of being out, I was very unhappy. Why? Because it didn't really... Um, Joan didn't know I was going to do this. 
it didn't really lead me to a decision of of what was going to fulfill my life. Where were you headed when you went to Medjugorje? What was you headed into because of that you would attribute to college? Well, I was I was in a profession in which already back then they were they were saying you couldn't I was a teacher I was a speech language therapist in the schools and I saw a lot of broken families a lot of children in great distress and there was always already the message that you could not speak about God and I through my conversion back at what not what year uh this would have been the early 80s way back then way back then uh or, no no talking to god right or there there was that undercurrent nothing like today but um as i was going through conversion going learning about Medjugorje, seeing that that the problems that these children were experiencing were spiritual nature not having god and i was trying to fix physical problems they were having when they were overwhelmed by their spiritual problems, and you which was I raised, could not fix. And you was raised in a, a strong, very strong Catholic family, and you were wanting to fix this problem with God, but what was becoming your God? Well, you had the pressure of just being silent. No, what were you getting into before you went to Medjugorje? Oh. In, in uh, college, you are presented with lots of new ideas, that I never was exposed to in my home, in my Catholic home upbringing. Uh, Shirley MacLaine's book, Out on a Limb, was huge at that time, and you saw them in all of the all these books and displays in the college campus bookstores, and I picked it up. And I was, I had, um, I was in a time of searching. Uh, my father had died. Uh, when I was in high school, and I, without that rock, that support there, I felt uh, not as anchored, maybe, that, uh, and I was looking for something that was more stable in, in my life, in my faith life. And I became very intrigued by Shirley MacLaine's um, own search for what, what was truth, which led me into the New Age movement. And I, you mean a strong Catholic girl goes there, and other people did the same thing or something like that, whose dad didn't die, who was an anchor. But even if your dad died, this other person, how come they still wander off in it? Because the pressure to stay at the statue with these little kids works. The pressure in the colleges is mastered by these people who's got an agenda. The extension of activism to input and put that into your way of thinking without you even thinking about it. You can continue. Well, also, I I didn't just go towards that. I went. I, I sought out the Newman Center, the Catholic uh, youth groups there, and the priest was very weak. There was nothing inspiring about what he was doing. Most of the other uh, students that were going to these things were very uncool, which is important at that age. I just didn't feel at all uh, that it would that this was the, the direction to go in. 
Uh, I went to my mom to discuss some of these things, and she really didn't know how to answer my questions in in the light of what I was speaking, even though her witness has, was always perfect, strong Catholic. So I I began to drift, not really realizing that I was drifting away from the truth. I was earnestly trying to find the truth, but I didn't have anything that was leading me to the truth of God. And I know this for a fact, unless, it, you know, besides if God were to do something in my life, but it was Medjugorje. If Medjugorje had not come into my life when it did, I was on a a, a real path away from the church and um, away from the truth of who God is. So Our Lady, through teaching us the rosary, teaching us the importance of fasting, I started all of these things while still going to my New Age groups. And and finally, I was led to just ask God, you are truth. I was, I was confused at this point. Is it Medjugorje? Is it the truth of the faith that I grew up with? Or these other things that I was, I was learning, also good things from, but it's mixed with poison. And so at one point, I just said, God, you are the God of truth. Why should I have to have anybody telling me what truth is? You can show me that. You can show me what truth is. And so as my father in heaven, and since I don't have my earthly father here, you you have to give me truth. And one day I walked into my apartment, opened the door. I wasn't even thinking anything of this. And I suddenly felt this great cloud of evil overshadow me. And it was coming from my bookshelf that was filled with all of these books on New Age. And I knew suddenly just to go, this was just within a split second. I walk into my apartment and open the door, feel this, go to my kitchen, get a garbage sack, go to the bookshelf, throw all of these books, some I had never even opened yet, go downstairs, throw them in the dumpster. And that was it a split second of truth and that that was that came through our lady of what the spirit of god I'm sorry okay i rest my case <laughs> you can go and read your story this comes from ron robinson from the libertas organization of young americas he writes a letter that starts out dear friends The latest leftist fad in our schools is to create safe spaces where free speech is restricted or prohibited. Wikipedia's definition claims, quote, in educational institutions, safe space is a term used to indicate that a teacher, educational institution, or student body do not tolerate perceived anti-abomination, violence, harassment, hate speech, or disagreement, but rather are open and accepting to opinions aligned to their own, unquote. This definition suggests safe spaces are largely related to perverted discussions and that they may have been the origin of the concept. However, safe spaces have been expanded to prevent disagreement, 
indeed, even discussion with or about any leftist protected special interest. As reported in the Washington Post, Northwestern University's president, Morton Shapiro, broadens the concept to prevent interracial discussions at lunch. Quote, Black students have every right to enjoy their lunches in peace. White students, while well-meaning, don't have the right to unilaterally decide when uncomfortable learning would take place, unquote. So in other words, white students have imposed upon them silence if they happen to disagree with what's being discussed at this table or in this, in this safe space. So, continuing on, our schools have come to the point where they will not tolerate disagreement or even efforts to desegregate a luncheon discussion. And then this would also include if you were sitting with, a, with abomination and you would have to sit there in silence to their discussions that may be even perverted discussions because of this safe space. These restrictive codes are never extended to protect the most maligned students, those with conservative backgrounds. Any student who is merely accused of violating these vague standards can be subject to financial and academic ruin. We remember how eager college administrators and faculties were to judge the Duke lacrosse team who were falsely accused of assault and there could be many others mentioned here. There is always a rush to judgment by the academic establishment whenever an accusation is made against conservative-oriented students. In response for simply sharing their views, conservative students are labeled as haters and even perpetrators of acts of violence. The left is awarded for faking harassment stories. Their reward? further restrictions or elimination of constitutional protections for all students. Due process is denied. The right to free exercise of Christianity, freedom of assembly, and freedom of speech, each a core First Amendment right, are stripped away to prop up leftist fantasies. As the Supreme Court ruled in Tinker v. Des Moines Independent Community School District, even high school students have core constitutional rights. They state, it can hardly be argued that students or teachers now have to shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. It is time for conservatives to demand our schools respect core constitutional protections of its students and eliminate their leftist-inspired Orwellian safe spaces. No school is a safe space for a student if his First Amendment rights are denied. So the mistake made with him, who would be on our mentality and, and understanding of the situations at the universities, is to rehabilitate the universities. You will not rehabilitate the universities. It's the entrenchment of the establishment, both what we've spoken about in the Republican Party, the United States Bishops' Conference, and any institution Satan has entered. Well, we had a pope tell us, the smoke of Satan has entered into the church. We've got these entrenchments everywhere. Where do they come from? The universities, the higher learning. We don't need it. 
You say, how can that happen? How can it be? How can you get a degree? You don't need a degree. Did you know you can go study to be a surveyor and in 12 months be making $75,000 a year? The average college student, when he gets out, if he gets a job, is $35,000 a year. Do you know that you can go study and become an insurance adjuster or get hired on with the insurance company and start off at $33,000 a year after three or four months of studying? If you if you push yourself and you make good grades, and you say, oh, well, what if you don't make good grades, you won't make that. Well, if you don't make it in college, you're not going to get a certificate anyway. And do you know that same person can study another six more months, a total of nine months, maybe to a year, if you if you have to take retake some of the exams because you're not taking a university, you're taking it to the insurance company for what they offer you. And you can be making $125,000 a year right out of high school. If you've got a good work ethic, if you know how to work with animals in the soil, and maybe you just push a computer. You know, the Pentagon is inviting people with monetary incentives to hack into them. They're going to have a time or a couple of days. I don't know the details. I know enough about it that they're inviting the wisest, the smartest couch potato computer pajama people to hack in to their systems. Why aren't they going to the professors? Why aren't they going to the greats, MIT and all this stuff? Is it things that the university has done is good? You always have that. The glass of water is there. It's clear. It's crystal. You want to drink it until you put one drop of arsenic in it. Satan controls it through the small, small concentration that he pollutes the whole thing and poisons everything. So it don't matter what's good. Satan presents good even the light to destroy. He quoted scriptures, which he hates, to Jesus Christ himself. We've talked over and over about it. The communists in Hollywood only want 5% of the party line in the movie. That's all they need. And you're going to saw your innocence of your children by sending them to college because you want to think, oh, they're going to get a degree? You're reprobating them. I wrote in, 30 Years of Apparitions of a special report by Anna Abbott that was put out in 2011 of Catholic World Report. It stated that 106 Catholic colleges and universities, I'm not saying, I didn't say 106 universities, I'm talking about 106 Catholic college universities that are abominable lifestyles. They have safe zones. You can't speech you can't give any speech about it. A safe zone is any speech of a professor dislikes. He can class it, not a speech, but violence. You're doing violence. You're hurting people. This is evil. And so these sin-friendly universities, Catholic, according to the article in 2010, include Loyola University in Chicago, the University of Notre Dame, who hosted a degraded, perverted, abominable pageant, beauty pageant. Students from St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota, blatantly go to Mass unashamed in identifying themselves as those who live abomination by wearing a symbol. Did you know that? Notre Dame means a lady. That's the French translation. 
The University of Notre Dame has instructors who blasphemously speak against their lady's name by promoting and advancing abominable lifestyles and the subjects they teach to students. Without shame. And these students come away open and accepting and defending these satanic theories, which are completely in contradiction of the Bible and the church's teachings. The students are cleverly manipulated, just like we do the same methods at the statue. They're cleverly manipulated by their own peers and the adults standing behind those older children who instruct them. We know it works. And the university knows it works. So they are manipulated through the instructors to contradict the biblical and church teachings that we live by. They enter into an equation of discerning with clarity right or wrong. This satanic stench the universities produce is a deadly radiation to the souls of students who succumb, just like Joan was just talking about what happened to her, to the stench of the father of lies. We know radiation is so poisonous from a meltdown on a nuclear power plant, and yet we have it in our universities. Now, I tell you, it's better to suffer from something like that than to suffer from what the university is doing to corrupt the soul. So many interpret that nothing's happened because we've gone this way and everybody turned up. We're getting calls now here at Caritas saying our child, our university student, our university ace is an abominable. It's not true. It's a lie. And we misinterpret God's slow to act. The consequences of this is that he tolerates the sin and this persistence of decades of this being pushed down our throats and the rebellion that we can expect no punishment for it. But you got to realize we're in time of mercy in this life, always, because God has all eternity to punish. And will he do that? He will do that. Universities have no future. Everything is passing. If it's not going from God, it's not going to be here. The university degrees are going to be nothing when a university doesn't even exist anymore because of what happened. Oh, is that both statements? Do you think that's not going to happen? Our lady said, June 25th, 1991, read the sacred scriptures so that through my coming, you discover the messages in sacred scriptures for you. She repeats sacred scriptures in the same sentence. That's not grammatically correct. University professors wouldn't want that to be like that. But our lady does because she wants you to not misunderstand what she's saying, that the sacred scriptures tell us what we need to do. And in the New Testament, Romans one thirty two, it tells us, although they know the just degrees of God, that all who practice such things, abominations we're speaking about, that's what the words are talking about, deserves death. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. So let's go to the Old Testament. What does the Bible say? Sacred Scriptures. That already said, read the message for you in Sacred Scriptures in this time when everybody's accepting the sin and getting a certificate that brainwash them into accepting it. 
to professors who came out of Vietnam protest who now extend themselves to their certification with their BAs and whatever they have to indoctrinate your children. Genesis 19, 24, 28 says, Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord of heaven. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning and he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of furnace. Well, that's an Old Testament God. He don't do that now. We're enlightened. That's not going to happen to us. Read sacred scriptures, our lady says, so you can discover the scripture for you that applies to you today and what you're doing to your children by sending them to universities. You're going to not like this. You may spend a lot of money. It may hurt your ego. Or like, oh, I'm going to be so proud for them. Oh, I sent them for sports. You're going to ruin them for sports? And this Old Testament God doesn't exist no more? Don't say this is Old Testament stuff and we can disregard it. And if you want to, then disregard it. And disregard what Peter said, 2 Peter 2.6, when he referred to this same godlessness in the Old Testament. Peter writes, he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction, reducing them to ashes, making them an example of godless people of what is coming. Whoa, this is New Testament. This is Jesus Christ who taught love, that the God is a God of love. God didn't do the reign of Sodom and Gomorrah. Man did it. He chose this. And that's what he's here to tell us. You have to realize that there's something coming that can't be avoided, and I want you to understand that if you do his works, because God is great, September 2nd, 2006, she said, and discover the sacred scriptures for you, that all these things can be avoided. But because of what the Tower of Babel showed us, that God seeing what they would do and they wouldn't stop violating everything, just like we're violating natural law and accepting this sin, that God said nothing will later stop them from doing whatever they presume to do. And we've wandered off to the most degraded perversion. The only way to correct this sin when it happens and it becomes permeated as it is now is purification. And that is coming. I'm telling you, do not send your child to college. And if you have, and they come back in a bondable, write to us. It'll give us more proof when we write about this even in a book to show you this. It's the worst thing you can do. And don't think you cripple your children. None of my kids went to college. I told them they're not going to go to college. I raised them thinking that I didn't want them to go there. I didn't go there. I know many people that didn't go there. I don't use Jones MBA to whatever. I don't even know. See, I'm too stupid because what is it, MBA? That's, that's uh, sports. <laughs> I don't care. I want to be naive to these things because a PhD don't mean nothing to me. It doesn't certify you to be president or CEO. And in fact, if you look at IBM and all the great companies, Hewlett Packard, and who built them, it was guys who didn't go to college who didn't do these things. You're smarter for not going because you got wisdom. Frank, 
Yeah, well, it's been over 100 years since we have abandoned absolute truth and natural order in terms of our monetary system. And so we've allowed a foreign entity that wants to rule and have control to, uh, through the Federal Reserve Act, to establish a central bank here. And so it's easy now for them to turn education into indoctrination according to their goals of absolute control. And so we're at a time where it has to come from the people. And as John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And so the greatest thing that we can do is return to the absolute truth of the money that God created. And so Our Lady always comes with a solution. So the greatest thing that we can do for freedom is to take what we've worked for, get it out of the system that was created so others could rule over us, and move back into the system that God created to choose Him. So the greatest thing that we can do now is take the fruits of our labor and turn them into the miraculous metal medjugorje round. We may not understand fully what this is going to do for our future, but Our Lady's coming for freedom and to return us to truth. And so I've seen this clearly over the years that we have to reject the system that's been put in place by a foreign entity that wants to control. And, and the best way that we can do that is to get out of their system and move back into a system of God. And what you have in our time is silver being so tremendously undervalued because it is the enemy of their fiat money system. And so it provides people an opportunity to take and put the fruits of their labor into something that intrinsically is worth way more than what it's trading for. And so its true value is just, it has nothing to do with what you can purchase it for today. So inevitably, more people will see this. And this is the, the grassroots movement that needs to happen, and it will happen, because people will be under, understand the establishment has control until we take back the monetary system. Until we choose God, we say, no, your ways are, are the ways that we want. And there's just no better way to do that than to take back the monetary system that he created with the image of his mother on it and the image of the miraculous metal that is the most powerful sacramental for conversion. So two things happen when you do this. One is, is you choose an honest system, an absolute truth system, and the other is, is you choose to be protected by Our Lady in, in these times. You, you choose her. You recognize that she's coming as never before to give us a message to lead us into freedom. Holiness is freedom and joy. And so that's why our ministry exists, is to help people understand that the system that they're in is corrupt, it's dishonest, and it's designed to fail, and it will fail. But you can exit that system into a system that's true, that has tremendous value, by calling us. And we can explain that more to you in detail when you call. And uh, if I can, I'll give my information to reach us. You can reach us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. Yes, Frank, what you're saying is, is exactly 
exactly true. The system of economics that's pervading the entire system today is what's taught at universities and colleges and children coming out of these universities are coming out with these demented ideas about economics and how things work. That That's not really the way the world operates economically. And uh, especially through student loans and things that have gotten them there that put families and children into debt the moment they come out of college. So they're immediately indebted. So, so these are, so what you're saying is, is completely true that there is a mis, complete misunderstanding of economics and how this works. And most of this is something that's taught at the universities. Uh, Our Lady is continuing to come in to teach us truth, as a friend of Medjugorje said earlier. And Our Lady's message that she gave yesterday tells more of this. A friend of Medjugorje is writing that he spent uh, five hours writing nonstop on constantly. And we spoke about it on last night's broadcast. Uh, but that writing will be released tomorrow. We won't say much about the writing except that you need to be praying from now until then uh, to open your heart to this grace of what it is that Our Lady revealed in this time. So you say and think, well, my child went to college and he came back and he's okay. Well, he's kind of okay. I mean, he doesn't think the way he was raised so much. You can't go there. You will not go there without being changed and cause problems. Joan didn't go there with an incredible, strong Catholic background without being affected by it. Yes, she came through it. Most people and many people don't. And they're scars from college. There was a study done. Uh, it's from the book Freakonomics. And it was, uh, they did a, talked about a study that was done on crime that it conducted to see what makes children criminals. It was a very complex study, and it didn't determine that that the parents were the ones that had the formation so much determining whether they'd be criminals or not. In other words, good parents had criminal children, and it shows sometimes bad, broken families had excellent children. But what it showed in the end the study was that the peers meant more to the formation of the children than anybody else. Does that surprise you? You think you can raise your children really strong and they get around their peers and they're not going to be influenced? The study stated that constant blunt pressure of peers was stronger on children's formation than the hard, sharp pressure of a parent. Are you ready to just let your children go from being in your home and go right out into that without affecting them? They will be affected. And the truth of the matter is, is shown in Our Lady's own words themselves when she says, I am coming to help you to find the way of truth. There is no truth at the universities. There's little truth coming out of the pulpits today. It's a sponge truth. It's pliable. It's malleable. You can alter it. It's absolute. It's relative. It can be this. It can be that. To your own whims. And you say, well, you can't say that about the church. I'm not. Our Lady is. I am coming to help you to find the way of the truth because we're not getting it through the ministers who administrate the divine. So the divine now sends his mother to straight to the people to tell us, to warn us, you're not walking in truth. And I've come to renew the church, 
no, not really the church, to rebuild the church and the world. She's not coming just for the church. We live in amazing moments. Astounding things are happening. Course your way and watch the way you walk and the way of the walk of the children walk. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.